Um, okay, so let's read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and uh, 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Now, um, what's on my heart for today? I, I've been kind of like in, with, in view in mind of that uh, there's, there's some saints that are thinking about getting baptized. And, uh, and, and so I've been sort of considering what are these things, the basics? Uh, so let's call this uh, Bible 101. And, uh, and we'll see that even Bible 101 is really, really full. But considering these things and maybe looking at them afresh. Um, and so... Um, I wanted to talk about our salvation. And, um, and I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and then I'll say it again, and then I'll tell you what I told you. Okay? But here's it. here it is, that God saves us completely. Okay? The salvation is full. The salvation is past tense, present tense, and future tense. Meaning, those who know Jesus... We're saved. You know, you hear people say, I was saved. I was saved on January 23rd, you know, at 3 o'clock when I went up at a Billy Graham crusade and gave my life to the Lord. I've never been the same. I'm never looking back. Got my hand to the plow and the world behind me and the Lord in front of me. You know, I've been redeemed. I remember when I was first saved, we used to I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, none of this, I've been redeemed by... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, but I remember those things, that redemption, that freshness, that newness. But did you know that we're also being saved? And one day we're going to be saved. So now why, what's going on here? How can we... If I was saved, why do I got to continue to get saved? And if I've already been saved and I've been getting saved, how come I'm going to be saved in the future? Okay, what's going on here? Well, what I read today is God wants to sanctify us entirely. And it starts with the spirit. And then it begins with the soul. And then it's the body. Okay, past, present, future. If you look at a tombstone, you're going to find the day that you were born and the day that you die. Right? But if you look at a spiritual tombstone in a Christian's life, it's the day he's born again. And it's the day that he's taken to glory and given a new body. Now, what is it? What's the difference between these different tenses of salvation? What do we mean when a person is saved? Well, to kind of get a little bit better view of this, Again, Bible 101, let's go all the way back to Genesis, you know, chapter 1. But what we'll find there is that God took earth, 
fashioned it in the form of a man. And he doesn't say he fashioned that in the form, you know, that 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 man is in the image of God, okay? It's the whole thing. But he takes that dirt, you know, from dirt we come and dirt will go, or dust. And isn't it wonderful how God takes something that's common and not worth much and turns it into something precious, precious like a human being? So, but he takes that dirt and he breathes into it the breath of life. And that combination is called a living soul. So, it's, let's just call it a sack of flesh with lungs. He breathes into those lungs and fills them up. Just like a baby. You know, their lungs are collapsed when they're born. They come out, there's nothing in, just all collapsed out because they were filled with fluid. But then they, they're born. When they come out, they take the first breath and they cry and they're alive, right? You know, so there was things going on beforehand, but they take that breath. You know, legally, now they're a living soul, right? So God breathes into man and this magic thing where the spirit meets flesh is called the soul. And in fact, it's very hard to make that division. And so in the book of Hebrews, we find chapter four, that the Holy Spirit's the only one who can really find out where the division of the soul and the spirit is. Okay. And uh, Greeks think of this body, soul and spirit as sort of like an envelope, you know, and uh, then there's some writing on a piece of paper and you put it inside the envelope. Okay. And sort of the writing on the piece of paper, that's the writing's your soul, you know, and it's written on the spirit and stuck in the envelope. And we rip the envelope open, and what do we do with it? Throw it away. Okay? And, uh, and so the, we, keep the, we keep the letter, right? Unless we really like the stamp, then we might keep that. But, uh, you know, and, and that's probably when we put people in a mausoleum, you know, and we kind of have them, there's the stamp, right? But actually... The Hebrew idea of a man, of a person, is an airmail letter. Okay, it's all one piece. But it's folded up, and there's an inside and an outside, you know? And so you get it, and it's an airmail letter. You don't just rip it open, do you? Because you just ripped open the letter. And so the Hebrew conception of man is that there's an inner, inner aspect, the heart. We talked about that previously. And there's an outer aspect, okay, which is sort of your flesh. And so my body and my soul. And God wants us to worship the Lord and to serve him with all of our might, you know, and all of our mind and all of our spirit or our heart, right? The whole thing. But it's all connected. So if you rip the body, somehow you're ripped. And we see that, don't we? When somebody's body is failing, it seems like they're, in some ways their mind is failing, right? Their, their, their spirit can be broken. You know, hurt, everything hurts. We're all sort of connected, right? You know, and so if you fix one, uh, you might still have trouble with another one. So now, our spirit is that part of us which is connected, which speaks to and relates to the Spirit of God. 
and spiritual things. Now, when man was in the garden, this is the story, what did he do? Well, he disobeyed God. He did that as a decision of his will. And he went ahead and said, my soul is more important than my spirit. Therefore, I'm going to eat from the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, rather than eat from the tree of life. And if I ate from the tree of life, I would live forever. And if I eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day, the word says, you shall surely die. Now, when we look at the story, Adam, of course, he was listening to his wife, Eve, okay? The two of them, all right, realizing that this fruit makes you smart, okay, in a decision of their will, okay, eat from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that day, the word says that they died. They just didn't fall over yet, right? Because... You know, Adam and Eve lived a long time from our counting, right? You know, 900 years, something like that, and uh, never got to 1,000. Nobody ever got to 1,000, a millennia, okay? But they did start out living pretty long. But in the day that they ate it, they were as good as dead. Why? Because their spirit was disconnected from God and shriveled up. You know... There's still a place for it in there, and, uh, but it's, it's not doing what it should. You know, so what do we often say inside of us is a God-shaped hole waiting to be filled? I just said that recently. <laughs> a smart guy I knew said that, and Paul copied it. Anyway, <laughs> all right, so our spirit is shriveled up, okay? Now, what happens in that situation? Well, you know, we've eaten from the tree of God, knowledge of good and evil. So now our mind or our soul, our will, emotions, and feelings plays the role of the spirit and the soul. Okay? So rather than the soul listening to the spirit, the soul becomes its own God. It becomes its and it hypertrophies. So we got one is atrophying. These are all medical terms. Atrophy means shrink and shrivel up. And hypertrophy means to grow abnormally big. And so what happened when man sinned is he got a big head. In medical jargon, we call it hydrocephalus. Okay? Too much pressure and fluid in there. And that's pretty much what it is. Our brains become sac fluid. Okay, our mind thinks it's something. We live for ourselves. We're all about ourselves. We're trying to keep ourselves. We're, we're trying to preserve something, and we do our own thing, right? But there's something in us that's always sort of looking into the garden, wondering what happened. So man becomes religious, and he does this and he does that. He's looking, always looking. He looks up, oh, I guess that's a God. They look down and see a rock turn. Oh, that must be God. Okay, a bird flies over in the air. Oh, that must be God. They keep looking and trying to find something that they don't know. Why? Because the part of their heart that talks to God doesn't work. 
That's called being lost. And one day, one day, God, because of his son Jesus, turned our dead heart into a living heart. And not only that, but he came to live in that heart. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Why would you grieve the Holy Spirit? Because he's stuck with you. Jesus, you know, all of the Godhead, and if we look at this, Body, soul, spirit. You know what? We really see it. I don't know whether it's exactly the same, but we see body, soul, and spirit, don't we? Okay? We have the Father, okay? And he's sort of the head, right? If you had to say, where is the soul in your head? He's the head. Jesus says, everything he says, I do. Everything I see him doing, I do, right? Isn't that what our body does? It does what our head tells it to. Jesus is an obedient son, and the Spirit, well, it's the Spirit of God, it's the Spirit of Jesus. It's the thing that animates everything. It's the thing that's in everything. Okay, God's Spirit is Christ's Spirit. God's Spirit takes from Christ, gives to us. God's Spirit makes a home in us. That's how it does it. That's what happens when you get saved. Now, it's still abnormal, right? This is still an abnormal situation. And why is that? That's because this guy, our brain, or our soul, okay, is used to having it how? Its own way. And now there's this thing inside that says, no, go God's way. And you say, maybe, if it looks good to me, I'll go God's way. If it doesn't look good, well, I can put that on the back burner. Okay, you know, I, 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 as long as I feel good and following Christ is easy, I think I will go that way. But if he asks something hard, well, you know, you know, that's hard. But the Lord wants to save us completely. The thing about it is he can't snap his finger and change our soul. Otherwise, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be our soul. He loves us. He loves our soul. He wants our soul to say, my whole soul and my body worships the Lord. He wants every part of us. He loves us. That's why he died for us. He died for souls. He wants our soul. He likes us. He likes us the way or he likes our thoughts and he hates our thoughts. See what I mean? But what he wants is for us to become like him. Well, you know, we talked earlier, there's a date when you're born and there's a date when you die, right? But there's a date you're born again and there's a date when you're transformed into, you're saved from the very presence. And so I'm going to bring a few P's into this, all right? Okay, because salvation past tense is you're saved from the penalty of sin. 
your sins are no longer held against you. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Okay? And there was a whole long laundry list of stuff that, you know, kept me from heaven, kept me from having a relationship. The biggest one is that I'm a rebel, and my soul wants to do its own thing and doesn't want anyone to tell it what to do. Okay? That's the biggest one. And, but, you know, a lot of other ones flow from that. Okay? Um, so... Your spirit is saved, and the Holy Spirit comes in. So there's a part of you now that's going to live forever. All right? And now the process, this is the dash between the time that you're saved or your spirit is born again and the time that you have a new body is called the present. Okay? And every moment is the present. Present, 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 present. And you might wonder, why don't we just die? Why don't we just get saved and go right to heaven? Because God wants to sanctify, which means to make holy, our soul. So let's uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. So Peter is talking to everybody in verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus and to be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. All three right there. You've been born again to a living hope, waiting for the salvation to be revealed at the last time. But here's the process. If necessary you'll be distressed by various trials. Is it necessary? Mm -hmm. Darn tootin', right? Why? Why? Because that's the only way we're going to get there. And here's the other reason. There's no trials in heaven, right? Our, our, our dear sister just had people stealing from us. Nobody's stealing from you in heaven. You don't have to have faith about that. In heaven, you don't have problem getting up a step. You don't have problem sleeping. 
You don't have a problem understanding things. You don't have family problems in heaven. You don't have genetic problems. I won't say you don't have heartache because it says that when you see him, he wipes away every tear. And I think that you'll still know that there are those that never made it, didn't get there. But you see, the Lord is trying to change your soul into somebody that he can live, live with forever. That's the process. So I'd like to take, uh, like us to, and if you look on in, in second chapter of Peter, you're going to find out that he's talking about like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, that you may grow in respect to your salvation. So this whole process, it involves the word of God. It involves being obedient. It involves turning away from the things that God says turn away from and turning towards the things that God turns away. It's this whole life, which, you know, we're going to talk more about another time. But I want to um, go one more place, and that is uh, Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12. Now, this, this verse is coming on the heels of the description of Jesus who followed the Lord all the way to death and suffered trials. So this is coming on the heels of the very foundation of who the Lord Jesus is. Although he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped but emptied himself and took on the form of a man and was obedient unto death. Even death on a cross. Therefore, God has elevated his name above every other name. Verse 11, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, brethren, though, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then the rest of the chapter starts giving details. Don't grumble, be innocent, children of God, and go holding fast the word of life. All these things. And this is for another time. But here's the point I want you to get. Present tense salvation. Work out your salvation. I thought salvation was free. It just took believing. Salvation past has just takes, but in order for your mind, your soul, your will, your emotions, for, for the way you think, for your personality, for in order for it to change, you've got to do some work. It means you've got to get up in the morning and pray. It means that you've got to choose his way, not your way. It means that you need to have faith for our sister who's struggling. You have to have faith 
that God forgives all your sins. You have to have faith that God wants you to be different and wants you to go a certain way. It takes faith to follow him in baptism. It takes faith to follow him and come to worship. You take faith when you decide you're going to be with God's people and love them to the end. All of these things and so much more. Work out your salvation. Well, that sounds like, you know, I couldn't do it the first time. How am I going to do it the second time? How am I going to do this? Because God is at work in you. Both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. This is serious business. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What a terrible loss it would be if you were saved and nothing else happened. It can happen, right? God's salvation is eternal. He's not going to leave you. He lays a foundation, which is Christ. But it says in Corinthians that upon that foundation, we build. And we can build upon that foundation with garbage, wood, hay, stubble. Or we can build upon that foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones. Things that last. And things that when the fire comes, they get better. Because their dross is burned away. Things that don't last, for example, your bank account, your 401k, your fame, your name, the things that, you know what, yeah, you're, you're written down there on the tombstone, but, uh, you know, after a generation or two, nobody really remembers. Maybe you have a name written in a, in a history book. But... The things that God wants to do in you are eternal. And he doesn't waste one problem. He doesn't waste anything. He especially doesn't waste tears. David said, all my tears are recorded. Aren't they in your bottle? He doesn't waste heartache and grief. He uses it to shape us into his image. It changes everything. I have many patients who are struggling and suffering. And you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. And I got this from... Lance Lambert. Um, but in heaven, there are three things. The whole heaven is made out of three things. Gold that is transparent because it's been, it's been tested. It's been purified. Um, I forget the other word for that. Refined. refined. Yes, thank you, darling. It's refined so that it's transparent. And gold is Christ. And so Christ plus you minus you. Christ. But in, in the middle of your prayer, without you losing your soul, he, he transforms it 
from glory to glory. He's changing you. Is it possible that you could become a different person and be the same person? Yes. Yes, that's my hope. That's why I'm still in it. That's why we don't just kill ourselves. Okay, I'm a Christian now. Let's just jump off a bridge together. You know? No. Because he's doing something and he doesn't want to quit till it's done. Don't short circuit it. Let him take you all the way. How do you do it? Every day you put your hand in his, says, Lead me one foot in front of the other. The Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The second thing is pearls. You know the pearly gates? And pearls are made from chronic irritation. Inside every oyster is a little grit, as Lance would say, piece of grit, piece of sand. It gets in there, and it's just like, you know, somebody that drives you crazy, okay? It's everyday irritation, irritation, another problem that doesn't go with your boss or whatever, but it's something that you can't fix, and all you can do is put a coating around it, you know? And you can put another coating and another coating, and before you know it, the oyster's thrown away. And what's inside is a precious pearl. God is producing pearls in you that go all the way to the kingdom of God. He's going to make gates out of it. He's going to adorn it. It's going to gleam. And the other thing is precious stones. And how do you make a precious stone? Intense heat and pressure in the heart of the earth. You know where diamonds come from? Volcanoes. They're made deep in earth, and they come up in the magna, and then, you know, uh, that's where you look for them, where there was an old volcano. Rubies, the same thing. And uh, these precious things, they're, 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 they're just stuff that gets carbon, carbon pressed into the most precious and beautiful substance, the hardest substance that can stand, you know, the most pressure. You know, now sometimes, uh, you know, we make fake diamonds, right? Now they may look good and be the same, but they're not the same because they didn't go through that. And so God has his saints sometimes go through inexplicable suffering and problems. And you say, what a waste. Nothing is wasted. So that takes us to the future. God wants to give us a glorified body. He wants us to be free, not only from the penalty of sin, and we're going to call this, and I didn't go there, but if you go to Romans chapter 6, you're going to, it's going to talk all about being freed from the power of sin. When we get baptized, we're saying, you know, don't you know now I don't have to be a slave to sin? I can choose to be a slave to God. I can follow the commitments that I made to serve him. I don't have to. I'm not stuck. Before you were stuck, you could say, I want to make a resolution, can't keep it. Now you can. Doesn't mean you will, but you can by the power of God through faith. 
But someday, the dross is going to be removed. This old body is going to be redeemed. It's going to be transformed. Not only that, everywhere else, a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be filled with the glory of God. This new Jerusalem, which is God's church, it's like a giant light bulb. It glows with the glory of God through the transparent gold, comes down out of heaven, takes, establishes God's kingdom, and it's the most amazing and precious thing we can't even begin to understand, but we'll be part of it. But here's the amazing thing, is the template for our new body is our soul and spirit. It's particularly fashioned for you. It's unique. In the book of Revelation, it says he's going to give you a stone with a new name on it that only you and he knows. How personal and how special this is. He's going to give us things to do. It's not going to be floating around in heaven on a big rubber raft looking at the clouds. Oh, yes, right? No. Who knows? There's a whole universe out there. Who knows what we're going to do? He's got work for us. We're made to do that. We're made to administer. That's why he made us in the first place. He, we're also made to be his lover, to love God forever as the bride of Christ. All these images, to be his house where he can live in. To be his body where he can flex his muscles. To be his hands and his feet. Isn't that a precious thing that we're signing up for? When you get baptized, that's what you're signing up for. When you're born again, you might not know it, but it's God who's to will and to work according to his good pleasure. Take that heart of stone and turn it into a soft heart. Put his spirit within you and cause you to do his law. What a wonderful heritage. Wash you with clean water and you will be clean, forgetting your sins and throwing them into the depths of the ocean. What a wonderful God we serve. And this is just Bible 101. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for the power and simplicity of your word, how from beginning to end it fits together. Lord, that you had a plan, that you have a plan. It has to do with your son, Jesus, and you've invited us to be part of that plan. Lord, I thank you so much. It's not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus at work and who wants to be created, produced, lived in us. And we cooperate. We want that. Even if it means that we're distressed by various trials, if needed. To result into praise and glory at the revelation of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.